0: Welcome to Sixers GM Podcast. I'm Josh Mosco with Zach Mosco on a semi-exciting day in Philadelphia as the Sixers collect the 10th overall pick in the 2018 NBA Draft. Sixers conclude a successful season, although they dropped to the Celtics in five overall with a record of 52-30 and 30 throughout the regular season. Um, they were 7th in the league in points per game. They were 11th in opponents' points per game. Uh, notably, they were 4th in the league in defensive rating and they averaged uh, 110 points per game. So by all means, a successful season. Rounding out the uh, the top of the lottery, the Suns will pick first overall. Um, the Kings will pick second, and the Hawks will pick third. So the Sixers do retain the rights to the 10th overall pick from the Michael Carter-Williams trade, which means the Boston Celtics will take the better of the Sixers and Kings' 2019 NBA pick. Zach, what do you make of this?
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it shows that uh, if you have the, the best odds, you win. Especially this year, it came true for them at least. They had, what was it, 20, two, I guess 250 out of 1,000 lottery balls, and they they won the Suns. So, it, yeah. it,
0: it does seem like the last few years they, the top three teams have uh, landed in the top four position most of the past few years. Um, but, you know, the NBA did design or did make it less of an incentive to tank in recent years, changing the odds at, at achieving the first overall pick. How, how important do you think it is at taking uh, as, a, you know, getting the first overall pick compared to a top three pick? Do you believe that, you know, there is a clear maybe this year or in general, there's a clear number one pick? Or do you think because these guys are 17, 18, 19, 20 years old that generally you're rolling the dice with any top five player?
1: I mean, we, we saw for with Fultz, he has crazy potential, but this year Tatum looked like the looked like the smart pick. I mean, Lonzo's not even in the, in the discussion anymore and he was two. So, I mean, it really, you know, it all it all varies depending upon year by year. So if you really look at what's going on with the Suns, they they said they're probably not gonna trade it away. You know, the Hawks said that they they'll probably keep it but they are considering trading it away. You know, the Kings, who even knows what the Kings um, but you know, I, I think anything's possible with that also it doesn't make a huge amount of difference because the seven can be much greater than the one.
0: Yeah. So it's really interesting how this all comes together because obviously the Kings tied to the Sixers for, you know, next year's draft pick from the Nick Stauskas trade back in 2015 when we received, uh, Nick Stauskas as well as other assets, essentially for free, essentially, uh, for taking on two bad contracts. Um, that then turned into, fast forward a few years, into the Nick Stauskas and Julia Locafort trade to the Nets for Trevor Booker and his $9 million contract, which then turned into, come February, essentially Ursan and uh, Bellinelli, which you know both proved to be key uh, you know pieces in the playoff run for you know two rounds. And I, I think, yes, they'll have to pay them more than their respective uh, $500,000, $700,000, but... Um, you know, it's interesting how Brian Colangelo was able to uh, move pieces around in order to, you know, find what fit for the Sixers. And, um, you know, who knows if uh, Amir or Jade will be back and who knows exactly what will happen. But um, it seems like it all started with Hinky with the uh, the Michael Carter-Williams trade, which ultimately gave us this Lakers pick.
1: Yeah, it definitely pushed us to acquire this Lakers pick and Boston didn't get it this year. Luckily, at least we don't. That's you know the last thing we wanted. That's the last thing I I wanted. But for those who followed the the 15 live but didn't you know watch and check all the stats and check the actual everything that we got. You know we have what was, what was today? Today was 10. We already have in the bank 26. Uh, what else? 38, 39, 56, and 60. I believe. Um, so. I'm really not upset. I can't imagine that we're not going to do something. Maybe give away 38 and 39 for a, you know, the last pick in the first round potentially. I don't know. What do you, what, you think we're going to keep all those? I mean, I, we I have, think the Sixers have a tendency to again, trade down.
0: I think have a tendency to trade down? down. Yeah, and I I think that they're not going to trade 10 because I think there are interesting pieces there with both of the bridges that I think would fit really well with this athletic um, three and D. Yeah, I mean. I, yeah, I think there are pieces that will point is that, that will make them want to keep this tenth overall pick. But like you said, they do have more picks. They do have uh, a need for a pick next year, especially when they thought right. they were gonna have the Kings pick next year and and they they won't. Um and I think that this roster is deep now. I mean, you gotta assume that Bellinelli and Iliosova wanna come back, even you know, if they're making, you know, a million and a half dollars. They're not young, so they're not gonna get huge contracts yeah. likely. Um I think Amir Johnson's going to go because I think uh, while he did fill a role this year, he didn't perform that well. Rashawn's a much yeah, better. I don't think
1: it's a great fit.
0: Yeah, Rashawn's a better backup. I D- Dario yeah, can play Sean, center. I'd
1: like to see him play.
0: Um, who's, who knows, you know, what's going on with us. Uh, some of our late first and second round picks, Jonah Bolden could come back. Um, you know, some some of these guys that could add depth at, you know, power forward or center, so – um, so you,
1: but you really don't think that like uh i'm just trying to think here with everything like some team like the hawks i don't think they're looking for a crazy star i think they're looking to build a team so like a a long shot at 20 at 26 and a 10 for a, a three is that insane
0: yeah they would they wouldn't do that because they, they don't have any i mean you would i guess you could argue that schroeder is their best player um but they don't really have a player to build around. And I think at three, you're a lot more likely to find that than 10. 26 is like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you can think of like rarities that, you know, make it deeper in the draft. But generally you don't find guys who can really build a franchise around past like 15, I would say. And even, even then the odds are significantly less likely you will be a superstar um, than they are at, you know, every incremental position forward.
1: Mm.
0: Um, I think it would be different if they had some type of player uh, who could become that, even if they are not likely to become that. Like, let's say they had a uh, – I mean, I guess even, you could even argue Josh Jackson could be that player, um, which could be a reason for Phoenix to trade down, but I, I don't think that they will. Um, I think they would want to take their chances because Josh Jackson had a good season, but you know, not a Donovan Mitchell season. So – uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think I'm I'm even more interested at this point in free agency because I think the Sixers have proven that they're they are closer to contending now um, than we thought they were going to be at this point. So it seems like they've turned their shift, and I'm sure the lottery party in Philadelphia has shifted towards uh, playoffs next season. And being disappointed if the Sixers don't have a 45 win season. Uh, and make a deeper run in the playoffs, which is ultimately, in my opinion, perhaps a little bit even ahead of schedule than when we anticipate what we anticipated they would,
1: uh,
0: you know, be on pace to fulfill.
1: Yeah, and I guess just talking about the end of uh, that game five. Do you think that they're, they're talking about renegotiation and extension? Do you think there's any chance this is the last season for Brett Brown, or do you think there's a chance they get a full five-year contract? I could see both extremes.
0: I mean, I I don't see any reason why Brett Brown would leave if he won 52 games. You know, that's a it's about a 60 65 well, percent win, win margin. I, I I think the Raptors didn't double essentially their their win margin from 2016 2017. They didn't go from 28 wins to 52 wins. Um, the Raptors also have been in a similar position recently so they feel stagnant uh and even though they have a great coach and in my opinion made a bad decision it's all about trajectory and the sixers are clearly on their way up um you know brett has had rough seasons he's made the most out of scrub players that he's had and been given especially in the you know that 2013-2014 season um and even 14-15 but i think when uh you know, when playoffs come next year, it'll be a test mainly for Brett Brown uh, in terms of Sixers' leadership and management.
1: But we talk so much about players and who you have to have and have to have a really deep backcourt and all this, but we don't talk as much about the coaching. Like, does this, like, as silly as it sounds, does the fact that Lloyd's leaving to go to the Hawks or some coach is that going to have an effect? Or is this not something you're even thinking about? Between the coaching having, you know, what is it, one, two, three, four, five percent impact on the team's success? I don't know. You I do I feel like we don't talk about this enough.
0: I think it's hard to know because I think better teams correlate, um, like a team's winning, re- a team's winning percentage definitely correlates with the coach, which obviously correlates with the quality of players. So it's difficult to piece. Um, exactly what is causing a team to do well and to succeed and therefore to even, you know, have a rough estimate. You know, you look at the Spurs under Popovich and obviously had, um, you know, he's obviously an incredible coach. I don't think anyone will minimize that. But there were other things going on at the same time. Um, Obviously, they have an incredible, you know, support staff as well to support... um, Popovich, they have great executives. They had Tim Duncan. They had Tony well, if, Parker. If you
1: really, if you really think, at least for for this time, if you really think a coach is super important, think about everything he's dealing with. This is getting pretty specific, but with his family and his wife, and you know they didn't they 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 lost in the first round.
0: I honestly, I, I don't think that was because of his wife. I think that they were disorganized. Really matters if he's right.
1: In the mindset.
0: No, I, I really don't think that it's the the mindset of the coach had any, and it's obviously sad. It's, it's a shame. It's it's awful. But I don't yeah. think I, I really don't think his personal matter affected the the team. In effect, and if anything, I, I think it wouldn't be demoralizing, but it would be motivating, where they'd want to win for their coach. You know, obviously maybe Tim, for a game. Yeah, that or less, and and I think, uh, you know, obviously Tim was gone, uh, Tony and Manu,
1: you know, just just ev- big Kawhi, hello. Yeah,
0: they did have quiet, but he, you know, he definitely was as not as, the as MVP. He's, can-
1: he's, he's out of it for the playoffs. He's just, you know,
0: yeah, he he wasn't the MVP candidate that he be. was last year, and right. uh, I think it it does beg the question, you know, to what extent can a coach coach if they aren't, uh, you know, if there are uh, external forces. Like preventing them to do so, and I know that's that's an abstract question for basketball, but Brett Brown in 2013 had no pieces. Had well, let's let's take 2014 or even 2015. Had pressure from the league, had pressure from the media, had pressure from ownership. Um, even if you have the basketball players, it's it's difficult when there are competing interests to make something of it. And so I think, uh, like you said, it's 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 difficult to measure the. Uh, the impact that a coach not only can make if, if everything is uh, you know, going their way, but also given that things don't go their way, given that there are competing interests.
1: Mm. So, something interesting last time the Suns had a chance for first overall pick in uh, 1969, they lost a 50 50 coin toss to the, to the Bucks, and the Bucks ended up picking Lou Al Sindor, otherwise known as.
0: You're testing me who Lou Alcindor was? I am testing you. He's got the greatest skyhook of all time. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um,
1: Kareem abdul
0: yeah, so I I think uh, I think it's it's going to be an exciting offseason. I, I could definitely see the case where the Sixers don't make a significant amount of moves, let Amir go. They try to renegotiate, you know, or not renegotiate, but negotiate a fifteen million dollar contract with JJ, and that's in my opinion fifty fifty. Whether or not he takes no, that,
1: but no, no push for a thirty million for Paul George, thirty five million, whatever, forty. I mean, obviously LeBron. they're going to make
0: they're going to make a push for LeBron. Paul George, I think, is going to go to the Lakers. I really think, especially, mm-hmm. I think especially if the Cavs can uh you know make a serious run in these remaining games that lebron stays um they have room at the top i mean uh, rob's gonna be the the highest paid paid player on the sixers unless they sign a lebron you know at 17 million or 18 million next year if they get rid of jj and amir that's 24 million right there booker is another 10 million bayless is 9 million although he has one more year under his contract so they can't just cut him but
1: we're still paying for booker
0: no, no, I'm saying Booker is is currently under contract for this season, this, the the 2017-2018 season. But I don't believe he's under contract for 2018-2019. Oh, we, I, still, my, we still paying point him is, out. Yeah, is they'll be clearing space to sign a player, and, and obviously not to mention, you know, having some of the most talented assets in the league, you know, short of maybe the Celtics, you know, which is why LeBron is looking at houses and looking at schools in the main line. Um, but, you know, Embiid's going to need a big contract uh, coming up. And you know that uh, there are reasons why the Sixers would be hesitant to, to sign a LeBron. Obviously, he's the greatest player, uh, you know, in my opinion, of all time. People would argue maybe top five for him. But I, I think uh, it really changes the dynamic. And, and sure, I think this is fantasy. I don't think he's coming. But, you know, if he were to come, that would be really, really interesting.
1: So I, I guess last focus before we run out of time is I'm just trying to think what really separates us from the Celtics. Are they in it for this year and for next year? And we're we're hoping to have it from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty four to have a good contention, twenty twenty five, or what what talk to me about that for, for a minute.
0: Um I think that the Celtics not only are better now, but they have better future assets uh and by future mm-hmm. assets i'm specifically refer referring to their draft picks even though they traded uh the nets pick this season to the Cavs, and two the two all-stars that are sitting right so i, I think next year they are a significantly better team I-, I still think they got lucky in these playoffs i think you know if you play that scenario out 10 times i would say less than half of the time i mean there's a reason why the Sixers were favored it's not because you know they had a 15 um what was it, 17, 18-plus winning streak at the end of the season. Um, I I really think that the Sixers were the better team without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, and obviously those are two huge asterisks. Um, But I think that, yeah, next season, the Sixers would be the underdog against the the Celtics, but you never know. I mean, uh, someone could get hurt, someone could get traded. Kyrie's definitely proven to be... Injury prone at times, especially important times. And, um, and I don't think it's fair to just say that the Sixers should write off the season because of the Celtics, because you don't know what could happen. You don't know where LeBron's going to go. You don't know how that'll change the dynamic. You know, similarly, the Sixers seem to match up better against the Celtics. I mean, sorry, better against the Cavs during the regular season than they did against the Celtics in the playoffs. So it could be triangular in that the Cavs take out the Celtics and then the Sixers take out the Cavs. And who knows? There are a million situations, probably not a million, probably about 300 situations you could play out. Um, and I think it's really interesting to think uh, what will the um, Timberwolves Celtics and Sixers look like in in 2022 2023 you know five years down the road when Carl Anthony Towns is owning the league when Ben Simmons is is owning the league uh when any one of the Celtics four first overall picks next season is owning the league and you know a few other guys in the Celtics too so um I I think my answer then is we don't know I think these these two teams will clearly be two of the better teams over the next five ten years in the league probably two of the top five maybe two of the top three teams in the league um but it depends on many different factors which will unfold over time
1: ttp ttp trans-pacific trade partnership amen all right well
0: this has been the sixers gm podcast thank you all for joining we will see you next week